God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Hallelujah. All right. We thank God that he has made today possible. Amen. So we have four days to discuss some important things that I believe the Lord wants us to know. Amen. And I pray that you commit yourself to follow every step of the way. Like someone who has gone to school and is being taught. Don't think that it is the responsibility of the one teaching you alone to make sure you know what is being taught. It is also your responsibility to pay attention. Hallelujah. And within these four days, I believe that the Lord is going to help us immensely. Amen. So we are considering the spirit that makes alive. The spirit that makes alive. But today I want to talk to us about the intelligent body. The intelligent body. Okay. So that's what I want to talk to us about today. The intelligent body. The intelligent body. Hallelujah. The intelligent body. Generally in Christendom, amongst many Protestants, when you ask them what is man or what is the nature of man, the pre-programmed response is that man is a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. Okay? Yes. And I don't subscribe to that. Amen. And I'm free to not subscribe to it. Amen? Just as you are free to not subscribe to it. Because it doesn't really make sense. Because if you say man is a spirit, so when I say what is man, you say man is a spirit. Do you understand that? The moment you say man is a spirit, your consideration is that man is altogether a spirit. The soul and the body do not come in. Do you understand that? Yeah. So if you say man is a spirit that has a soul, what does it mean? Do you see? So man is not a spirit that has a soul which lives in a body. Man is the compound, okay? It's a composite being, it's a compound. So if you want to say man is a spirit, having a soul and living in a body, like I said, you are saying that then the soul is not man. 
man is the spirit. Do you understand that? Yeah, but that's not true. That's not true. But concerning how man is, the highest form of man is not even his spirit. That's not the highest form of man or the deepest form of man. Man is a compound of a soul, spirit, and then a body. So what we call man, that entity that is called man, is made up of a soul, a spirit, and then a body. You understand? So the entity or the person, the personality or the creation of God that is made up of a soul, a spirit, and then a body is man. Do you understand that? A soul, a spirit, and then a body. Now, according to the arrangement, the innermost part of man is the soul. Hallelujah. In spiritual things, what is the innermost? It can be used to refer to the whole thing. So in many places, man is referred to as a soul. Do you understand that? Yes, and it is because the soul is the innermost part of man. The innermost part of man. Hallelujah. That is the part of man that is directly connected to God. Man does not interfere with his soul. His soul cannot be corrupted. His soul cannot be destroyed. It is that part of man that is kept from man. It's like the part of you that you have no control over. It's like the umbilical cord that connects you to God. That is your soul. Whatever you are came out of the soul. It means that according to your formation, the first substance of your formation is your soul. From your soul came your spirit, and from your spirit came your body. Your soul is the innermost part of you. Even those that are in hell, their souls are not actually affected. They are still connected to God. Hallelujah. But they are not connected to God in a way that they are aware of. Because anything that God created, if God were not connected to it, it will cease to exist. Those that are in hell have chosen to stay away from God in a conscious way, which we'll talk about. Okay, that is why they are in hell. But were it to be that God is not connected to them in any way, they will cease to exist. There's nothing that is created that is able to exist by itself. Even though it appears as though the creator is not present, because when you look at the thing and you see it as something that is on its own, it is not so. Everything that has been created, for it to continue to exist, the creator must remain in it. Hallelujah. Everything, including the human being that is in hell. For him to continue to be a human being, the creator must remain in that human being. And the part of the human being that connects him to the creator is the soul. Hallelujah. 
is the soul. So there is the soul part of every man. There's a soul part of every man. Then there is the spirit. There's a spirit. Now the spirit is the mind of man. Your mind is your spirit. Hallelujah. That is the part of you that you are conscious of. Your mind, your spirit. And even in terms of your mind, it depends on the person you may still have certain part of your mind shut out from you. Now, I'm explaining this for a reason. The point that I am trying to make is that even though as you are sitting there, it's as if you are of yourself and you are an individual. I'm saying that you are not really of yourself and you were not made to be an individual existing separately from God. According to your constitution, from your soul, through your spirit to your body, you are a body. So far as God is concerned, you were made a body. So you, when we say we are the body, okay, of God, it is not just this, your physical body. Your whole constitution was made for God to dwell within, not just your physical body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please understand that. So you are not some individual so that you care about your own personal feelings. You care about what you are thinking and your own way of wanting to do things. That is not God's plan for you. You were made as a vessel. Hallelujah. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. So let everyone learn how to possess his own vessel in sanctification. You are a vessel. Tell anybody you're a vessel. Now, it's important to understand this because it does not appear that you are a vessel, you are merely a vessel because of the kind of vessel that God wants you to be. That is why the title is an intelligent body. You see, when you think of body, you think of something that is unintelligent, that something fails it, right, and causes it to move about. But in this case, we, we are intelligent bodies because of the way that God has made us. So that is the point that I'm trying to make. So you are a soul, you are a spirit, you are a body. These three things come together. Your soul is the part of you that is directly connected to the Lord. Is that okay? Now your spirit is the conscious part of you. Hmm? And your spirit is divided into three levels. The highest level is what is called the celestial, or that is the inmost part of your spirit. And that concerns itself with things that pertain to love, loving the Lord. Hallelujah. Then the intermediate part of your spirit is the spiritual part, or the part that concerns itself with truth, or loving the neighbor. Then there is the lowest part of your spirit, majority of people in this world are only conscious of the lowest part of their spirit. The lowest part of your spirit is what we call the natural mind. So, you have a soul, right? You have a spirit, right? You have a body. Every human being is connected to God. You can't run away from God. He's the one that created you. Do you understand that? And for you to be, 
you are going to remain connected to God forever. There is no person that is born that will ever be separated from God. Do you understand that? You see, we said the soul does not die, right? And there's a reason. The reason is that whoever is created in this world or brought into this world remains connected to God forever. You will not be conscious of it. It is not a connection that you are conscious of. You will not feel God flowing into you, making you alive. It appears to you as though you are alive by yourself and in yourself. You feel yourself to be alive, right? But you are not alive by yourself and in yourself. It is God that flows into you constantly to make you alive, to give you the ability to think. Even your ability to rebel against God is given to you by God. So it may appear to you that you have power, right, to resist God. And, and I'm saying you have no power. You have nothing. Everything that you are, it is because God flows into you constantly. That's how come it is ironic to exalt yourself to the point where you think that you don't need God. It's foolish because you didn't make yourself. And in that same sense, you cannot keep yourself alive. You cannot keep yourself being. It's not possible. So, you see, like, even to be able to think that God does not exist, if it were not God that were flowing into you to allow you, to give you the capacity to think, and in this case, to have the opportunity to use your capacity to think wrongly. You see, if it were not God, you couldn't even think that God does not exist. You even have a mind. You fold like a cloth and then vanish. Hallelujah. There are two things that flow through the soul from the Lord to every man. That is the capacity for free will and then the capacity for rationalization. We've learned this. That's like no matter who a man is, these two things cannot be touched. Even if the man descends into the lowest part of hell, he has the capacity for free will and he has the capacity for rationalization. Capacity for rationalization is the ability to determine what is good. Hallelujah. To determine what is good, it is in the soul of every man. It comes from God. It comes from God. Hallelujah. That's why even when children... Conceive, we say it's God that put the child there, right? Yeah, because really that's the case. It's as if two human beings came together, but you can't do anything. It's the soul, which is the beginning of the person's life, is in God's hand. Hallelujah. So you see, as you are sitting there, you are trying to think, and it feels you as though you are the one thinking. I'm saying that the powers of thought are supplied to you by God through the soul. See how you are trying to decide about your life? You even feel like you don't really like God. You don't really want to be so spiritual. I'm telling you, your ability to even think this way is because God has given you free will and it is because it comes through the soul. Without that, you can't even think. You are not anything without God. You see, at times when we say we are not anything without God, it seems like we are saying that, oh, we are really something, but if you really want to be correct, you can't be without God, right? I'm saying that, Literally speaking, we are not anything without God. 
we cease to exist. You see, all of God's universe is not separated from God. God is in all the things created. Actually, it is not possible for the creator to actually create and not be inside the things that he has created. You see, when we think of creating something, you think of yourself, you went out, you picked clay and came to form something. So you see that you are not the clay, right? You are different. So you think you have created. That's not creation. God created everything from himself. If it is from himself, then he's in all things that are created. And man is the primary creation, the highest of God's creation, right? God is inside you. God is inside you. Is the reason why you can feel. Is the reason why you actually feel like an independent person. He has made you feel that way. It's an illusion that he has cast upon you. It's an illusion of being independent so that you can, with that illusion, exercise free will. But you are not independent. You are not separate from God. You are not your own person. You are connected to God. And that connection, you can't sever it. You can't cut it. You can't say that God go away. That's how it is. If you pitch your tent in hell, God will be there. If you go into the sea, God will be there. You can't run, like the way your own shadow, right? You can't run from your shadow. You are connected to God permanently. That's part of your existence as a human being. So God has not gone anywhere. Hallelujah. And then you want to look for God, right? You are just not conscious of him. And it is because the part of you that is used to be conscious of God, you have not developed that part. That is all. But as to God being connected to you, you and God, you are connected forever. And it is through your soul. You have a soul. Hallelujah. Then you have a spirit. And I'm saying that your spirit is divided into three levels. Okay. Your spirit is divided into three levels. The last time that I taught you about the levels of the mind, okay, when I spoke to you about your spirit, okay, I divided it into two. I gave the spiritual part, which is either closed or opened, right? And then the lower part, which is the natural part. You get it? So don't misunderstand. That spiritual part that was taken as one is actually two. It's the highest and the intermediate let me give you an example. You see how heaven is made up of three levels, right? There's the innermost heaven, then there's the intermediate heaven, then there's the lowest heaven, right? The innermost heaven is called the celestial heaven. The intermediate is called the spiritual heaven. Then the lowest is the natural. Everything that is lowest is always having the natural thing connected to it. Do you understand that? Now, the natural is like the place that the highest and the intermediate gather themselves to subsist. You understand that? All right. Now, the natural part of the mind, okay, in this case, the natural part, which is the lowest part of the mind, I'm not talking about the body, I'm talking about the mind. The lowest part of the mind is what every human being knows and they deal with. The spiritual part of the mind or the higher part of the mind, which now has the celestial and the spiritual, it is closed with man from the beginning of his life. Man has that in terms of potential. In other words, those that are in hell, okay, those that are in hell, they have a soul, right, which is connected to God. Their spirit, the higher part of their spirit is shut. It's not in use. 
The higher part is the celestial and then the spiritual. It is only the lower part of their spirit, which is the natural mind, which is in use. Now, the natural mind comes, then the body comes. Do you understand that? Now, the natural mind is where the things of the senses are. The natural mind is where the wisdom of the world is, the desires that you have. Okay, the desires of the world, the love for the honor of men, the love for the riches of this world is all packed in the natural part of your mind. Hallelujah. All of it is packed in the natural part of your mind. So when we talk about the evil that is in the heart, this evil in the heart is in the natural part of your mind. It feels like that is your heart. That is the controlling part because that is the part that you are conscious of. Do you understand that? Yeah. So this evils of the heart is in the natural part. When we say that, okay, there's an internal evil, then there's an external evil. The external evil is the one that you do with your body. What you feel about what you are doing is the internal evil. That's what you actually truly love, right? Now that internal evil is in the natural mind. So take your book. Those of you who have a book. Okay. So draw a rectangle. Uh-huh. A rectangle that has the longest part on the side. So like a staircase kind of rectangle. Good. Now let it go down, 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 down. All right. So now the highest part of you, which is at the top of the rectangle, is your soul. So right soul there. Good. Now draw a line to divide. Good. Now this soul is directly connected to God. Okay. It is untouched. No matter what a man does, he cannot affect his soul. You can't break away from the creator. Even if you do the most wicked things, you can't separate yourself from the creator. Okay? So the creator is there. Now, let it be three levels. Okay? Three lines. Uh -huh. Now, what we call the spirit. Good. The spirit. Good. The spirit is divided into three levels. Okay? There is the highest part of the spirit, which is the celestial. So celestial, good. So the highest part is the celestial. The one that comes after it, which is the intermediate, is the spiritual. Okay? All right. Now your spirit puts slash mind. Your spirit is your mind. You see your mind. So but my mind is just, no, there are deeper levels of your mind that you, you don't explore. Okay, so don't relax. Okay, so now the lowest part is the natural mind. So this, your spirit, which is the mind, there are three levels. There's the celestial, there's the spiritual, and then there's the natural. These three come together to form your spirit or your mind. You get it? Now, the celestial and then the spiritual draw diagonal lines across them. Good. And then write closed. They are closed. You can write it inside it. Closed. Now, when a man is unspiritual, these two levels are closed. It means that what they were made for is not being used, right? So it's like a room that is meant for something, but you are not using that room. So it's closed. You understand that? It will not be used by the enemy. No. Because it was made for the celestial and spiritual things of heaven. You understand that? So the natural part, yes. So now, this natural part, divide it into three. So, yes, and then do one here. Right, so one, two, three. 
One, two, three. Okay. So now you divide the natural part into three. Now this natural part is the one that you are conscious of. Okay. All right. Now this natural part that you are conscious of is still spiritual because you can't see it. We can't take a microscope and use it to observe the mind, right? We can't do that. Is that okay? So it's still spiritual, but it is natural. It makes the man earthly. The earthly man, this is what he uses in his earthly life. Do you understand that? Now, every man in this world is using the natural mind. Okay? Every man. Every man in this life is using the natural mind. Now, the natural mind also has three levels. There is also the highest level, which is called the rational mind. So the natural man or the natural mind has a rational mind. Now that highest level, divide it into two. Yes. Now, this rational mind that you are dividing into, the higher part of it is also closed. Close it. Then the lower part of it is opened. Now this lower part of the rational mind is where you gather truth. So when you are growing up, you are taught about moral things, what is right, right? What is godly? Huh? Now, please, as you are sitting there, all these things are inside you. <laughs> Do you understand? I want you to understand something. So that, you see, when we say you were made for God, you will understand. If you were not made for God, then there are some aspect of you that we wonder why you have it. God didn't make man to be lost. Do you understand? A lost man is a man that is operating below capacity. It means that the levels of his being that must be connected to the Lord and the things of God are not in use. They are closed up. And he's using a small part of his being to rebel against God. That's what he's doing. Then you will understand that when a man turns his back on God, he thinks he's wise, but he's a foolish man. He thinks he's wise. So. Hmm. Okay. So now, simple thing. Man has a soul. He has a spirit. And then he has what? A body. Right. Is that okay? All right. Now, my argument is that this soul, spirit, and body form the intelligent body. Okay? Not just this, your body, your physical body you can see. I'm saying that all of you, you are an intelligent body. For who? The divine. Okay? You were made for God. Hallelujah. You were made for God. So it means that this, your soul, is not a thing in itself. It is a container. You understand that? Your spirit is not a thing in itself. It's a container. Your body is not a thing in itself. It's a container. Your soul is a vessel. Your spirit is a vessel. Your body is a vessel. Your soul, your spirit, and your body together forms that complete vessel that you are. Is that okay? 
it may appear to you that you are something in yourself. God, if you are something in yourself, then you are not a vessel. You are the thing itself. A vessel is not a thing in itself. It contains something. You understand that? An organ is not a thing in itself. It responds to something. But it may feel as though you are something in yourself. Because when you look at yourself, you feel like in yourself you are alive, right? And I'm saying that it is only an appearance. It is an appearance so that you can exercise free will and rationality. You can exercise free will. You understand that? If it were not so, you will feel like you are not of yourself. And so you can't make choices on your own. But God wants you to make choices on your own because that is how he wants you to be a body. You are not a lifeless body. You are supposed to be an intelligent body. Please understand that. And it is because of the nature of the one that is going to occupy you. That is God. Is that okay? So you have a soul, you have a spirit, you have a body. Is that okay? These three are all vessels. Is that okay? All right. Now I'm saying that this, your soul, is connected directly to the divine. And your soul is the innermost part of you. When we say the innermost part of you, we also mean the highest part of you, right? So your soul is up here. That's the highest part of you. It's like this, right? This is the top. When we look at it in elevation, the tip here is the top, right? When we look at it from the plan, then we have it in the innermost, right? So when we say something is in the innermost, we also mean it is at the highest. What is in the innermost is what controls everything that is around it. So what is inside, everything that is around it is taking its form from what is in the innermost, right? What is at the highest, everything that is beneath it is taking its form from what is above. Is that okay? So always what is above is flowing to what is beneath. And always what is innermost is flowing to what is outermost. Is that okay? Now, your soul is the innermost. Your soul is the highest part of you. Is that okay? Then you have your spirit. Now, my argument is that this, your soul, it connects directly to God. You are not conscious of your soul. You are not conscious of your soul. Is that okay? You cannot do anything to destroy this soul in terms of your connection to God. Even those that are in hell are still connected to God because it is from here that a man is alive, from the soul that a man is alive. Without the soul, man ceases to exist. When I say you cease to exist, I'm not talking about your body. When I say you are alive, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your whole person, the one that continues to live after here. If you did not have a soul, that part of you could not continue. You will not exist. You vanish. Do you understand that? But the thing about God's creation is that anything God has created cannot also vanish. And it is because of the principle that whatever God creates, he's in it. And there is nothing that will reverse it. There is nothing that will keep the creator from the thing that he has created. There is nothing that the creation will do that will break and separate itself from God. It's not possible. Do you understand that? It's not possible. That innermost connection is always going to be there. 
Do you understand that? But man is not just a soul. He's also a spirit. Do you understand that? Now that spirit is also his mind. And that is the conscious part of man. Is that okay? Now that conscious part of man, man, because he's conscious of it, then he has impact. He's able to impact this conscious part of himself. So even though the soul is always connected to God and man cannot touch it, man can destroy his spirit. Do you understand that? Man can destroy his spirit. So the one that goes to hell, the destruction has taken place in his spirit, even though his soul is still intact. Even though his soul is still intact. You are not conscious of your soul. You are conscious of your spirit. Does that make sense? All right. So now, the spirit is also divided into three levels. We have the inmost spirit, the intermediate spirit, and then the lowest part of your spirit or the lower spirit. The inmost or the outermost spirit, okay? The inmost spirit is what we call celestial. Then the intermediate is what we call spiritual. I know that when we are learning new technologies at times, we are not used to the technology, right? So what you do is that you get the idea behind the technology. Is that okay? So get the idea. This highest part of your spirit deals with what pertains to love. Okay? The intermediate part deals with what pertains to truth. Okay? In another way, we can say this part of your spirit deals with what pertains to love for the Lord. That's the highest part of your spirit. The intermediate part of your spirit deals with what pertains to love to the who? The neighbor. Is that okay? Then there is the natural part, which is the lowest part of your spirit. Is that okay? All right. Now, this lowest part of your spirit is what every human being is conscious of. Now, your spirit is supposed to represent your entire consciousness. Do you understand that? But every human being in this world deals first or primarily at this lower part of the mind, which is the natural mind. Whether you are spiritual or not, you are having a natural mind that is fully functional. Is that okay? Those that go to hell have the natural mind that is functional. All right. Now, this natural mind is also divided into three levels. Okay? This natural mind is also divided into three levels. Okay. Now, when a person is not spiritual, okay, the upper part of the mind, which is the celestial and then the spiritual part, they are closed. Untapped potential. Okay? So they are there only potentially. They are closed. So then the unspiritual man is operating with the natural mind. So, like Paul said, that the things of God, eh, the natural man cannot understand, right? Because they are spiritually discerned, right? Spiritually discerned means that if you are going to discern the things of the spirit, this natural part of your mind cannot do it. The upper part of your mind, which is the spiritual part and the celestial part, must be the ones that receive this revelation. And then through them, your natural mind will be affected. But if they are closed, 
then there is no contact in you. There's no place in you that you can use to make contact with spiritual knowledge. Please understand that. So no matter what is explained, no matter what is discussed, you will find that it is impossible for you to actually reach out and grasp it. For instance, your teacher can be teaching you in school, but the things he's saying, you lack some basic capacity to grasp it, right? So he will explain the thing, but because of what you lack, you won't get it. Is that okay? All right. Now, if you lack the opening of the higher part of your mind, which is the celestial and then the spiritual, you are unable to appreciate spiritual things. You can be taught it. You can make me a cheer through. But the appreciation of spiritual things is not in you appreciating it in the way that you have been taught. Okay, you are chilling to what you are saying. But it's to be able to see it in the light of truth. You see it for itself. You are able to perceive that it is true on your own, not because somebody taught you. And you can only achieve that when the higher part of your spirit or your mind is opened. Is that okay? If it is closed, all that you have is explanations that you seem to know, but it is still far away from you. Is that okay? For instance, what I'm teaching you, depending on your level of spirituality, it may look a bit nah, right? Not because these things do not exist, but because you have lived your life in such a way that you have limited yourself to a very small part of your being. So it is like somebody that has remained in darkness and then some amount of light is being directed towards you. It's too much. And because of that, you can't see. It's as if when you were in darkness, you were even seeing better because your eyes adjusted to the darkness. And now light, which is supposed to help you to see, it can be blinded. Please, you understand that? So now when you find it that way, you don't say that, oh, no, no, what is this thing that this man is teaching? You understand that? You have to calm down and see if you can go through the processes that will allow you to understand. Is that okay? Now, in this message itself, you don't even have a problem. Well, this is not the thing. Just I need to explain this for you to appreciate something that the Lord wants you to see. Do you understand that? All right. Now, this natural part of your mind is also divided into three. There is the lower part, there is the intermediate part, and then there is the highest part. The highest part is the rational part. Okay? The highest part is the rational part. Then the intermediate part is what you use to make conclusions. Okay? And then also make conclusions about things and then about people, right? And then there, a lot of your imagination is also present there, okay? Then the lowest part is what you use to gather information. So for instance, you see, when a child is born, even though the child has all this potential, the child starts from the lowest part of his being. So every one of us, we start from the lowest part of our being. So the lowest part is the body. So the child starts from being merely a body. Do you understand that? That's why a child is there, you are trying to communicate with the child, you're pointing. The child doesn't have the capacity to actually understand or see anything. Meanwhile, the eyes are open. Do you understand? But the child doesn't have, it's like a lamp of body lying there, right? Yeah. So now, it's because we all start out by being a body. Now, we have all this potential with us, but we start out just being a body. Then, as the baby comes, the mind starts being developed. When I say the mind starts being developed, it's not like it's not there, but its potential now starts unfolding. 
Is that okay? So now the child starts by gathering information from this world. So through the senses. So that's where we all start from. We gather knowledge. That's how come when we are young, the first thing we, they do to us is to teach us. So they teach us knowledge. We gather knowledge. Don't touch this. This one is fire. Not too long ago, Lana Michelle, their class, we were teaching them hot and cold. So they open the tap, it's hot, they say hot. They open the tap, it's cold, they say cold. You can see. So now when you're a child, these are the things that you are taught. If you are not taught these things, imagine all that part of you is cut out. You see, it's like an airplane that can land. Yeah, because where you will land is on these things. Even when you are having an idea, that idea for it to be illustrated before you must be illustrated by the knowledges that you have gathered from this world. Do you understand that? You see, all these illustrations that I've done, everything that I've used to illustrate to you is from this world. You have done a triangle, you have done a rectangle. Like, everything is natural knowledge. You understand that? And God does that for a reason because his aim is that we become spiritual. But spiritual things are illustrated by natural things. So the natural things exist for the illustration of spiritual things. So a child starts from gathering knowledge. Do you understand that? Now that part of his mind that he uses to gather the knowledge is the lowest part of his mind. That's the lowest part of the natural mind though. So even the natural mind is the lowest part, right? But the lowest part of the lowest part, that's what the child uses to gather knowledge. Do you understand that? That's where you learn how to write. A, B, C, D. You learn how to count, right? So a lot of the things that constitute a child's education is at this lower part, you get it. So if your child can remember that something is hot, it's not bad, right? But it doesn't mean your child is intelligent because you see, all of these things up here make an intelligent human being. <laughs> yeah, we are just using a small part, small, small, small part, just impulses, right? Then when the child is going further, the impulses graduate into now drawing conclusions. That's what it means, right? That's what this means. That's what this means. That's what this means. And when they are young, it begins to happen. They draw conclusions about things. They draw conclusions about people. You understand that? That's why even when a child is developing, you have to spend time with the child and talk to the child, explain. In our territory, when a child asks you a question, why? It's a sign that the child is rebellious, right? But why is a sign that this intermediate part eh, needs developing. The intermediate part of the natural mind needs developing. So that's why you fill the child's mind with a lot of reasonings, like reason why things are the way they are, reason why you don't do this. Don't touch this. If you are lazy, it's too much work for you, right? I said don't touch it. <laughs> you see? <laughs> but you need to explain. Yes, and so that's the intermediate part. Now, you see, every human being goes through that. Every human being develops the lowest part, right? Then the intermediate part, every human being, as we are in this world, no matter who you are, except you have a mental problem, right? Maybe you are born with a, a mental defect, you get it. But normal human being, you develop this. So the lowest and the intermediate part of the natural mind will be developed by every human being. Please, you understand that? So we draw conclusions. You see, ability to imagine and all that, it's all here. So you can look at yourself. You realize that if you don't take care, all your life is what I've described though. The two lowest parts. 
Right? And even that one, if God didn't allow you by being connected to your soul, right, you couldn't even use these two lowest parts of yourself. You see? But if also then that man is just using here, what about all here? So you are underperforming, right? You're underperforming. To be just here at these two lowest parts of your mind is to be subject to this world. So when we say a man is subject to this world, you know, he cannot break away from this two and ascend further. He can't. He's just sensual and his conclusions about life are from the senses. That's all. That's all he is. So he cannot see anything beyond what he can feel, what he can see, what he can touch, what he can taste, what he can smell. He cannot see anything good except the good that is for his body and that is for his natural person. So when he's looking for what is good and what is worth pursuing, he considers it in terms of the gain that it will come to his body, the gain that it will come to his life in the natural. So those who are operating with these two lowest parts of the mind, okay, what they consider life is the life of the body. If these two lowest parts are what you're operating with, even if you know that there's a higher life, okay, that a man is more than his body, even though you have that knowledge in your brain, right, you will always think that a man is his body. Your life is your body. You will always think that way. You understand that? Anybody that operates with just these two lowest parts of their mind goes to hell. Goes to hell. All right. Now, then there's the third part of the natural mind, which we called rational, right? Now, that rational, I asked the gentleman to divide it into two, right? And it is because that rational part is when the person is being taught what is good, okay? This is what God wants. This is what the word of God says. So when we are children, we are taught these things where they don't directly teach about God. They teach about what is moral, right? What is good? What is it? All that is guarded at that rational level. So when you are being taught and you are beginning to understand eh, what is truly good, not what is determined as good from your point of view, because for the rational part of your natural mind to start working, there must be something other than yourself introduced. And that's where then a higher power comes in. Anybody that does not subscribe to a higher power cannot have the rational part of his natural mind opened. It's not possible. You understand that? So you begin to learn about God and what he wants from you. You get it? Even as a child, when you are young, all these things are taught you here. Now that means that when that happens, the rational part of your natural mind is opened halfway or is working halfway. You understand that? Now, it is completely opened, and that opening goes simultaneously with the opening of the higher part, either the spiritual or the celestial. Okay? Now, it is 
opened, properly opened or completely opened when you don't just know the thing that you have been taught about what is righteous, but now you begin to apply yourself to it and then your transformation begins. So the transformation of a man results in the proper and complete opening of the rational part of his natural mind and simultaneously the opening of the spiritual part of his mind. Do you understand that? Right. So when a man begins to apply out of free will himself to the things that he has learned about God and to the things that he has learned about righteousness, he starts becoming spiritual. Does that make sense? He starts becoming spiritual. Now, being spiritual means that this higher part of his mind or the higher part of his mind now begins to work. Now it comes into service. It's like before it was closed, but now it starts working. So it means then that with the man that is being transformed, God being in his soul, right, can now flow into the higher part of his spirit and through that flow into the lower part of his spirit. Is that okay? All right. Now, all this that we have described about you, all of it must respond to God. Your soul must respond to God. The higher part of your mind, which is the celestial and the spiritual, must be opened to respond to God. Your natural mind, which is of three levels, must also respond to God. The rational, which is the highest, the intermediate, and then the lowest part must all respond to God. Then finally, your body must respond to God. Now, in all these levels, man must respond to God. It means that God must be in man on all these levels. So when man is successful, then it means that that man will be a soul which has a celestial or a spiritual mind and then has a natural mind, then a body. Please understand that. Okay. So you see this natural mind that we spoke about. You see the lower part which has to do with the intermediate and the lowest where intermediate you draw conclusions and you have your imaginations and stuff and then the lowest where you gather information, right? Now, these parts are also supposed to be affected by God. They are supposed to be affected by God. For instance, those that just gather information and draw their conclusions separate from God, their affections are separate from God. Their wisdom is separate from God. Even though they are kept here, whatever they do, the higher part of the mind is not involved. They are kept away from God. But in God's plan, even this lower part must be influenced by him. So it means that the conclusions that you have drawn about life, you understand that? Like for instance, you must work, right? That's a conclusion you draw about life, right? But that information you have, there's a space inside that information for God. That space is why you must work. Do you understand that? So God must come and fill that one. If God doesn't fill it, you work to amass wealth for yourself. That means that your upper part is closed. So anybody that is working, and the reason for working is to just gather wealth, is not a spiritual person. If you are going to be spiritual, then remember, all the lower part, they are still organs. They are still vessels. Do you understand that? They are not meant to operate without God. So if your lower mind is operating without God, like you want to marry, right? You can marry at this lower part. You don't need 
all the upper part. You can mind, well, you see a, a woman you like, right? You see a man you like, right? What you like, you want to stay with it, right? So you go and stay with the person. But then that's why you would think of the person as somebody that is going to serve your interest, right? So you see a human being, your conclusion about that human being is that every human being is for your interest. But at this point, your conclusion about a human being, when it is influenced by God, it must be that every human being is meant for you to bless. So you seek the common good. Now, I'm trying to put it side by side, where even the lower mind, a person is being controlled by God and a person is not being controlled by God, how it works. When you are not being controlled by God, your conclusion about human beings, remember here we draw conclusions about human beings, right? And about things. Your conclusion about human beings will be that they must serve your interest. That is their value. The value of a human being is in serving your interest. But that's not what God also wants. When God fills your vessel, even at this level, you begin to see that every human being is meant to be blessed. You don't see the human being as one that you must take advantage of, but you see the person as one that you must lay your life down for. You understand that? A man does not come by this knowledge by being natural. He only comes by this by being spiritual. You can even be taught it, but if you are still natural, it will not become your working knowledge. It will just become information that is in your head. And your actual working knowledge will be that every human being is to serve your interest. Like for instance, people come for counseling, teach them that you are supposed to be a blessing to your spouse. When you look at your spouse, the primary thing must not be what you gain from your spouse. You understand that? It must be what you will do for your spouse, how you will lay down your life for your spouse. But this knowledge is a spiritual knowledge that except a man is open spiritually in his mind, will not see this as the truth that must rule him. So even though that knowledge is there, when they go, they still make their spouse that thing that must make them happy. Do you understand that? So they use their spouse for their own blessing or for their own enjoyment. Why? Because the person is not spiritual. The person is not spiritual. So but when God is feeling all these conclusions change, even the knowledge that you have gathered from the world, they don't become your God. The natural impulses do not become the things that control you. You see, when you are unspiritual, you are turned upside down. So your senses and all those things now control you. You understand that? So if your senses say that, walk away, self-preservation, right? You walk away. But maybe from above, God will be saying that, lay down your life, right? Now that is God ruling you even at the lowest part of your thinking. Please, does that make sense? All right. Now, my point is this. That even though we were made this way, and according to what God says, we are vessels. Okay? We are vessels. The way we are, it does not feel like that. On a daily basis, you don't feel as though you are a vessel. But you are. Hallelujah. And it is important that you begin to think of yourself. That there is no part of your life that is reserved for yourself. Because a vessel has not a life of its own. Hallelujah. A vessel does not have a life of its own. There is no part of your life that is reserved for yourself. A vessel does not have its own glory. It seeks the glory of the one that contains it. A vessel does not have its own interest. It serves the interest of the one that it is for. Do you understand that? So Paul said that in the great house, there are vessels of honor and then vessels of what? Dishonor. 
right? If you shall purge yourself from these things, which we'll look at, then you shall be used as a vessel unto what? Honor. You are a vessel. Even though it appears as though you have ambitions, it's only an appearance that God gave you, which was supposed to be used to become a proper vessel that you have abused so that now you have ambitions that you must fulfill and you must become something for yourself and you must make something out of your life. Meanwhile, the one that made you, made you so that you will become a vessel. Do you see? You are running around to become many things, but you are made to become a vessel. You are putting in effort to become many things without considering that you were made to become a vessel. So your effort to become must be put into your life by considering the one that called you, the one that made you. Do you see? It is because you are an intelligent body. That's why it looks to you as though you are of yourself. But you were made intelligent so that you could have free will, so that you could respond to love. Because the one that seeks to fill you is love. Do you understand that? And love is not love when a person has not chosen it. So he cannot fill you and become love in you. You have to choose him. So you were given free will, which makes you look intelligent, which makes you have desires and want to be something. But you wanted to be something, you were given that that you should feel like you want to be something, so that you will feel like you want to be God's dwelling place. It was not given to you, so you will feel like you want to be your own something separate from God. That feeling that you want to make something out of your life, it was given to you so that you will feel that way and yield so that you will serve God's glory. So something coming out of you means that you have glorified God. Like Paul said, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So it's not just your body that is a vessel. Your spirit is also a vessel, right? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Hallelujah. So now, in all the levels of your being, you are a body. A body is meant to be contained, okay? You are a vessel. A vessel is there so that something will occupy it. Is that okay? All right. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 to 16. And what concord had Christ with Belial? Or what part had he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? Hallelujah. So in this case, we are being called the temples of God. Amen. Now, you are not a temple just in your body. You are a temple in your soul. You are a temple in your spirit. Even in your spirit, in your higher spirit, in your lower spirit, then in your body. Every part of you must be inclined towards God. Hallelujah. All right. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the who? The living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and do what? Walk in them. Which part of you is God going to walk in? Your body? No. He must control you from the soul, which cannot be touched, which is intact, right? Your upper spirit must be opened. He must control you in your lower spirit, in the rational part, in the intermediate part, in the lowest part. Then he can control you in your body. Hallelujah. So when we say you are a temple, you are a temple on all these levels. 
Hallelujah. You are a temple on all these levels. As you feel like an independent person, it's only an appearance. It's only an appearance. You are not some special person with your own special, even the possibility of having desires, it was given to you so you can desire righteousness. It wasn't given to you so you can desire things. It is when we abuse our vessel. Hallelujah. The abused vessel now becomes the infirmed vessel, which we talk about. So we abuse our vessel. And you don't abuse your vessel just in your body. You abuse your vessel on these levels except your soul, which cannot be touched. Is that okay? All right. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and do what? Walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be what? My people. God must be your God. The one that controls you. Holds all the strings to every level of your being. He will walk in us. Hallelujah. Tell everybody, yield. yield. Tell him again, yield. yield. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Hallelujah. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in what? In your spirit, which are God's. Your spirit belongs to God. It is not yours to give. It only appears as though it is yours to give because God wants you to exercise freedom to give it so that life will be possible for you. So it only appears so. But it is not yours to give. Now, think about it. Like, the one that made you, right? You are now behaving as though you have right to yourself, right? That now, you are considering him to see if you would allow him to come in. If you can trust him, right? If he has a right over you. You know, he made you. Hallelujah. Or now that he has made you, it's too late. No. If you think about it that way, then you don't understand. I'm saying that the one that made you is inside you to keep you. Like if he made you and you can exist separate from him, then we can say it's too late. He is the one keeping you made. So when we talk of God creating you, it's not that he has created you. He's inside you creating you now. The concept of creation and the creator being inside what has been created is a continual creation. It's a continual creation. You see how your body and your spirit relates with your body. The moment your spirit leaves this, your body, your body begins to disintegrate, right? Your body begins to decay, right? Now, it means that your spirit as it is in your body is constantly keeping your body together. If it goes away, your body breaks down. You understand that? So, because it is constantly keeping it together, it is constantly creating it. Because once it goes away, it breaks down. So it's like closing a door, right? That for it to remain closed, you must keep your hand there to close. So you are constantly closing it. 
Because if you close it and you move your hand and it still remains closed, then you have finished closing it, right? But if it is said that it will open if you take your hand off, then to keep your hand there constantly means that you are always closing that door. Please understand that. Because once you remove your hand, the door opens. That's the relationship between your spirit and then your body. And it's a relationship between you and God. God in you is constantly keeping you created. So you are not of yourself. You are not for yourself. You have not made yourself. The Bible says it is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. You are not your own person. You are God's person. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. All right. So now, this is how then we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be vessels. We are supposed to be bodies, intelligent bodies that God operates through or dwells in and operates through. Hallelujah. But because we are given freedom, then that freedom that is given to us, which comes to us through the soul, remember? Huh? That freedom that is given to us, which comes through the soul, okay, because we have this freedom, then it is as though it is in our power. But it is that freedom that gives us the power. Do you understand that? And that freedom is from God. So because of that freedom, now we have that ability to choose God or to not choose God. We have that freedom to choose to surrender our various parts to God or to withhold our various parts from God. And there are parts of us that if we withhold from God, it is closed. Undeveloped potential, shut door, closed room. And there are parts of us that if it is withheld from God, something else occupies it and then destroys us. Hallelujah. There are parts of us that when we keep from God, it is closed. And that is the higher part of our mind. Remember, the soul is untouched. The higher part of our mind, which was closed, right? If we keep it from God, it is closed, not to be assessed. The lower part of our mind, if we keep it from God, it is now destroyed. Something else destroys it. It turns into something else. Hallelujah. It begins to decay. It begins to become corrupted. Hallelujah. So when a man keeps himself from God, the lower part of his mind is corrupted. That is a portion of the rational, then the intermediate, then the lowest part, then we come to the body. When a man keeps himself from God, when a man does not offer himself as a vessel, the lower part of his being is corrupted. Hallelujah. It is that lower part that comes under the influence of hell. Listen, hell does not influence your soul. Hell does not influence the higher part of your spirit. When a person goes rogue, when a vessel goes rogue, the only part that hell has access to is the lower part of the mind, which is the natural mind. So when we talk of regeneration, it is the lower part of the mind that requires transformation. And it is its transformation that allows for the higher parts to be opened. 
And therefore, the man has access to heaven. So we say a man is under the influence of hell. A man is under the influence of hell. He is under the influence of hell according to the lower part of his mind or according to his natural mind, according to the lower part of his spirit. That is how a man is under the influence of hell. Now, this is information that should make you think that even when man eh, walks away from God and makes himself one who does not like God, it is only a small part of his being that actually becomes corrupted. That should let you see that man was not made for corruption. You see, at times you feel like, oh, we can yield ourselves to God or we can choose not to. And if we don't choose to yield ourselves to God, we can become all that we want to be, but in a negative sense. No. If you don't yield to God, a lot of your being is shut and closed and unused. The part that you used to rebel against God is just a small part of you. It looks like it's a big part of you because that is what is your present consciousness. That is the part that you are conscious of. Hallelujah. It also means that if a man rises up and decides that his corrupted part must be turned back towards God, that man stands a chance because there are faculties in the man that have been untouched. It's not like majority of yourself is given to hell. It's just a portion of yourself that hell is controlling. It means that if you want to work with God for your vessel to be restored back to God, it is possible. It is not something that is beyond you. It is not something that you have gone too far. Some of you feel like you have gone too far. I'm saying that this you're too far is at this your lower part of your mind. The higher part of your spirit is untouched. The part for spiritual and celestial things, they are untouched. Your soul is untouched. It's just your lower part. Even your rational mind, a portion of it is closed. Partially closed. Untouched. Hallelujah. So you see, your resistance eh, is just this small place in yourself that is doing the resisting. Majority of yourself is actually made so that it doesn't resist. It's either closed or it's open. It's just a small portion of yourself that is doing the resisting. But at times, it feels very strong and mighty. Said so that it's as if it is the one that is ruling all of you, right? It is because of what we call consciousness. What you are conscious of becomes your immediate reality. And so your consciousness is in that realm. And anybody that keeps his vessel away from God, his consciousness is restricted to just that lower part of his being. And that's why it seems like, Charlie, your whole self is against God. And that it is impossible for you to turn towards God. It is impossible to break away from evil. But it is not the case. Hallelujah. So what does God want from us? God wants us to prepare our vessels for him. Do you understand that? But the preparation of the vessel, it takes place at the lower part of our being. The higher parts, as the lower parts are being prepared, the higher parts are opened. So we don't do the preparation there. We do the preparation at the lower part. If a man will yield to God, he will yield to God by engaging himself in the natural part of his mind. That's where the yielding to God occurs. Now Jesus, when he walked the earth, he did the same thing. Okay? Psalm 40 verse 6. 
Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears has thou opened. Okay? Uh, Paul quoted it said that a body has thou prepared me. Okay? Similar. We know ear has to do with submission, right? All right. So sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears has thou opened. Bent offering and sin offering has thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Hallelujah. So now, we are intelligent bodies so that we'll come to the place where we do not just do his will, but we delight to do his will. Is that okay? All right. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Look at the man whose vessels or all of his vessels are yielded to God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, Thou knowest, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. So, some things will have to be said for you to appreciate this, but not for today, okay? But the point is that what the Lord wanted to be in him, or what the divine wanted to be in him, God, when he walked the earth, as to his human, he did not withhold the human from the divine. Is that okay? So, the human was offered as the complete vessel for the divine said, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Okay. You see how I told you that your soul is connected to God constantly, right? Now, it is not a passive connection. It's an active connection. Okay? Now, what do I mean by it's an active connection? I mean that God is constantly flowing into man. Okay? Even now, as you're sitting there, God is flowing into you. The problem is that his flowing into you has not entered your consciousness for you to become a participator in what he has to offer. So it seems that he's not flowing into you. Now, when I say flowing into you, I'm not just talking about what keeps you alive. I'm talking about as to his love, as to his wisdom. He's flowing into you through the soul. He's flowing. Even now, he's coming. His love is trying to come into you. His wisdom is trying to come into you. Right? That's what it means by Jesus saying that he's standing at the door and knocking. Right? Okay. Now, where his love and his wisdom must come and dwell... Is that place inside you that is closed? Do you see? That place inside you that is closed. Now, what is being said here about the righteous? Said, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. The hiding of the righteousness of God within the heart in this context has to do with what is flowing from the divine into the human. The human has not allowed himself, okay? And because of that, it is as though the divine is not flowing. If you allowed yourself, you'll be a very loving person and a very wise person from the divine. So we can say a man, when he was fully formed, the first church, before they started falling, 
the divine was flowing from above into them, even to the lowest part of their being. Is that okay? It meant that then the righteousness of the divine, which was flowing from within, eh, was not cut short. It was not interrupted. There was an uninterrupted flow from within to without. You understand that? But the fall happened at the lower part of the being. And that meant that the part of man that becomes the rendezvous point, right, which is the upper part of the spirit, is closed, is out of service. Even though God is flowing with all his righteousness and with all his wisdom into you, there is a part of you that blocks God. And because of that, it does not fall into your consciousness. If it does not fall into your consciousness, then it does not become something you possess. My point is that even those in hell, God is constantly flowing into them because that is the nature of love. Love must always come. But God will not be successful because they are unspiritual. The part of them that should allow God to gain ground in them is shut from God. I know we try to say we want to look for God, right? But according to our being, God is actually flowing into us all the time. He's flowing into us. What we are doing is that we are hiding his righteousness. We are not declaring it. We are hiding his faithfulness and his salvation. I said, I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. What do we say concerning Jesus? The divine took on the human, isn't it? And glorified the human, isn't it? Now, glorifying the human is here being said, I have not concealed thy loving kindness. It means that the loving kindness that belonged to the divine was now resident permanently in the human. So it is not concealed. Is that okay? He said, I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So God is flowing into you. The problem is that we are concealing him. You know, the vessel is not supposed to do that. The vessel is supposed to express that which it contains. Hallelujah. And the reason why God is being concealed, even though he is flowing. Now, he flowing to you, that's not your salvation. No. It is when he has found a place in you and he is no more concealed. He's not shut away. That then we say there is salvation. If you understand it, then you understand why even those in hell, God is still with them there. But he's not with them in their conscious self. He's with them in the part that they are not conscious of. And God, if he's present, is constantly flowing towards them as to love and wisdom. And in many cases, this love and wisdom, that God flows towards them, that becomes their torment. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, this old man is not your complete person. It is that lower part of you that is subject to corruption. Is that okay? And that is the one that Paul is arguing that it must be put to death in the same way that God, when he walked there, put his own to death. That's what it means to be crucified with him. Is that okay? All right. So knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Now, relax. Remember, we are intelligent bodies, right? But when we yield to God, we become the bodies of the divine or the body of Christ. 
When we don't yield to God, we are called the body of sin. So when Paul uses the body of sin, it is still your vessel, but it is your vessel with its lower parts rebelling against God. So now sin now rules. Instead of God ruling and being manifested through your person, sin is now ruling. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin, body is for expression, the part of you that is surrendered to sin, that now sin is using to manifest itself and is ruling through, that part now must be what? Destroyed. That henceforth we should do what? We should not serve sin. Why is it called the body of sin? It is because of programming. Okay? Because of programming. Remember, you're a vessel. And the thing about a vessel is that it can be programmed in a bad way. It can be programmed in a positive way. Okay? Now, this is your lower part. Okay? I explained to you how God can influence it and how evil can also influence it, right? Now, when evil influences it, your vessel is programmed to manifest evil. Do you understand that? When God influences, God now recalibrates your vessel to manifest righteousness. Is that okay? So the destroying of the body of sin is not to destroy the lower part of you. It is to destroy the calibration. That makes this thing that was made to be a vessel of God now turn into a vessel for sin. Do you understand that? It is the calibration. It is the perversions that now must be destroyed. Okay, That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, remember, the body is not your physical body. Remember, all of your system is a body, right? But in the case where evil is reigning, it is the lower part of yourself. Do you understand that? So here, that's the part that Paul is addressing. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, the word mortal is that which is liable to death, right? That which is subject to death. So let not sin reign in your mortal body. Your body that has become what? Subjected to death. That ye should do what? Obey it in the last thereof. Hmm? Let not sin reign there. Remember, the body of sin must be destroyed, right? Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the last thereof. Verse 12. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So now, this is what Paul is asking them to do. That they are members that they yielded to unrighteousness. The same chapter says, don't you know that the one that you yield yourself to obey, you become his servant, right? Now, say, you yielded yourself. Now remember, that yourself is your lower self. Don't forget this. Because it's important. Because at times, if you don't have some of these understanding, the enemy can make the fight a fight that you can't win. Because it's like 
all of yourself, but it's your lower self. So it is this your lower self that Paul is saying that do not yield it as an instrument of unrighteousness. That's what you used to do. And because of that, it became the body of sin. Now it must become the body of righteousness. It must be used for its original purpose to express the righteousness that is of God. Hallelujah. That is what this, your body, must be used for. Now when I say body, take note. All of yourself is your body. From the innermost to the outermost. And then your lower self is the body that is being talked about in context. Hallelujah. Now, Paul, as a man who was addressing a person who understands this call to now withdraw our bodies, to not yield it as instrument of unrighteousness, but now to yield it as instrument of righteousness. Paul, who, as a person who understood this, was speaking of himself in Romans chapter 7. And he was making a point that there seem to be two things that are going on within him. That which he wants to do, he's not able to do. That which he does not want to do, that is what he finds himself doing. That when he once said, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That all this is for you to understand what is going on. Now, Paul is not talking about a person that loves God in his spirit, right? And is not able to live for God. No. He's talking about the flow of God into his spirit. And the recognition that that flow which is coming from above into him is righteous. And it is something that he must give himself to. Do you understand that? But he sees another law. He calls it the law of sin and death, right? That is at work in his members. Now this law is at work in his lower self. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. What is the law of his mind? It is the flow of God into his being. Hallelujah. Now this flow of God, he's able to now see that God is trying to come into him because now he knows the word of God. He knows the truth. Now the truth has not become his life. Just as if you hear the word of God, it makes you see what God wants to use you for. It makes you see what is possible. It makes you say, it's like God is trying to come. Do you understand that? But before he was already trying to come, it is the knowledge of his word that makes you feel it even more. So now Paul has this. He said, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So something else is going on. Hallelujah. And that is the struggle of the one that has the word of God and wants to align himself to become a vessel of God. But his lower self is in rebellion against God. And because of that, his lower self is dragging him away from the path that he wants to take. The path of he being a completely yielded vessel unto God. Is that okay? All right, let's go. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from what? The body of this death. Remember, body. The body of which death? The death that he's talking about. The spiritual death, right? So now death is manifesting itself. Death is influencing him. And his lower self has been calibrated according to the influence of death. 
Now he said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Let's go. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So now this is what the Lord brings. So this deliverance from the body of sin or the body of this death, the lower self as it drags man away from being the true vessel that he has been called to be, there's a deliverance. And that deliverance is what Jesus brings, right? But let's go. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So, okay, then this is how we are supposed to be. No. This is the dilemma of God trying to flow into a man, but his lower self is preventing it from happening. So the next verse will help us to appreciate it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but what? After the spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Remember, the chapter 7, Paul is arguing that the Jew is going to have a problem. You get it? And the problem is not about the fact that they have the commandment of God. No. It's about the body of sin or the body of death. Okay. The lower self that has gone rogue. Okay. And he's arguing that there needs to be a spiritual component, a spiritual move of God that will affect this body so that he will be delivered from the pool, the negative pool of this body. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, in Romans chapter 7, he talked about, I had not known that there is stealing, except that the law said, that shall not convert. You see? So now, he's saying that the law was weak through the flesh. Right? The law was weak through the flesh. Now, this is not something that is past. This is something that is present. You see the word of God that you hear, that you are supposed to obey, right? Do you see that there is a stronger pull, a pull towards evil that is stronger than the word of God? Do you see that? Okay. Now, that pull is the body of death. That pull is the body of sin, right? That pull is what is happening in your lower self. And it makes the way that you have received not strong enough, right? So even when you are dragging yourself to do the right thing, that pool is still there. That pool is not stopping you from doing the right thing, but it is what is in your heart that does not allow you to break free from the evil. For instance, look at this. God says that you should not envy, right? How many of you have envied before? Wow, okay. How many of you knew that you should not envy when you were envying? Okay. So now, we say, okay, the word of God comes to you. He said, don't envy, right? So we said, now this word, you can obey, right? Okay, now that's what is happening. As the envy is in your heart, it's teaching you to behave in a certain way, right? So now, the understanding that we have is that do not obey this envy that is in your heart. So if the envy says, walk away, don't walk away. If the envy says, do this, don't do it. Smile. If the enemy says frown, don't frown. Smile, right? If the enemy says, put the person away from you, embrace, right? Okay. Now, 
the fact that you are embracing when the envy says walk away, the fact that you are smiling when the envy says frown, does not make the envy go. You see, the fact that you are not obeying the envy does not remove the envy from your heart. Is there. Anybody who has tried to overcome evil knows this. If you don't know it, you've not started. It doesn't make it go. Like, there's lust in your heart. That lust is leading you to some particular thing that you normally do, right? The fact that you are not doing the thing does not make the lust go. The lust is still pulling you. Whilst you are not yielding, the lust is still there. Do you see? Does it happen to you? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be angry. As you are trying to deal well, it doesn't make the anger go. The anger is still there. The jealousy is still there. You are trying to be happy for the person, right? You see, if you are jealous, you are not happy for the person. You are trying to do everything to show you are happy, but you are still jealous. What do you think? Well, you don't understand. Yeah. Now, this thing is what is being talked about here. See, this thing that is still present as you are not yielded. Now, what God says is that you shouldn't yield, right? You should not yield. But your not yielding will not make this law go away. Do you see? Paul said, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. Do you know what it means? It means that you didn't want to give an offering, right, to God. And then they preach you about how important it is to give an offering, right? So you say, God wants to come. And when God even taught you, you sort of, hey, Charlie, this is a powerful thing, right? But as you are going to give the offering, you find that you are giving it for a selfish reason. So you are giving it so that you'll be praised for it. It was God that came to tell you that this is a good thing to do. But as you are doing the good thing, evil is present with you then. It is present in your motive. So it's, it's like it's not allowing you to do that good thing, right? Oh, love your neighbor. Hey, before you didn't want to love, now you want to love. Wow, as you are doing the thing that show that you love your neighbor, you find that you don't love your neighbor. Another reason cry is why you are doing the thing. So it's almost like this corrupted self has a way of derailing the attempt of a man, right? to yield his members to God. And that is what Paul is crying about. But there is a solution. Hallelujah. And that solution is the spirit of God. The solution is not that you resisted. Even though resisting is part of you yielding, but that which will bring the medicine, the actual application of the medicine to heal that part of yourself is the spirit of God. So now you understand why Paul said the law was weak through the flesh. It is because when I'm trying to obey the law, there is something else inside me that is even corrupting my attempt to do it. When I'm trying to go the right way, the evil is still there. Do you understand that? Now, the problem with the Jew is that they did not have the spiritual component. And that is what Paul is talking about. The coming in of the Christ is the introduction of the spiritual component. It is not that there's a new law. Don't do this. Don't do this. Is there. 
It's the spiritual component that when a man begins to take steps according to the law, begins to now impart itself on his lower self and begins to put it to death and reconstruct it, recalibrate it. So that it becomes an aligned vessel unto righteousness. That is the component that the Lord Jesus brings. That is the component that the Lord Jesus brings. So any man that is trying to go towards God must be looking for the spirit because his lower self is dead and it is the spirit that will make that lower self alive, alive again unto God. It is dead to God. It is in rebellion to God. It is shut from God and it operates in rebelliousness to God. It does not yield. And even when the man is trying to do something that is good, the lower self does not yield. When you are trying to walk away from last, last is still present. It is when the spirit of God comes in for recalibration that finally the last goes away. For what the Lord could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Huh? All right, that the righteousness of the Lord might be fulfilled in us who walk not after what? The flesh, but after the spirit. Let's go. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, okay? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, listen. You see, you say, obey God, right? Turn away from evil. But there is a part of you that will never submit. It won't submit. Even if you are going here and he said you should go here, your going here in the opposite direction will not make it submit. It will not submit. You can't change it yourself. You can't force it into submission. It will not submit. The carnal mind is enmity. This carnal mind is the lower mind, right? That has gone wrong. It's an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. It's not just that it is not subject. It cannot be. It cannot be subject to God because it's in rebellion. It's against God. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, right? That stands to reason. But look at it. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now remember, our team, the spirit that makes alive, right? The spirit that makes alive. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is what? None of his. Now the spirit. Let's go. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Right? Now, people have tried to explain it in different ways. But I think that the simple thing is that even though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is what? Life. Or the spirit gives its life because of what? Righteousness. Now, pay attention to this. Remember, this, your body, is the rogue one. Right? The one that will never be subject. But there is something that can affect it. And that is called the spirit of God. And anybody that begins to apply themselves to the commandment of God must apply themselves looking for the spirit. Hallelujah. Because it is the spirit that quickeneth. That's what Jesus said, right? 
It is the spirit that quickens. Look at this. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. Now look at the next verse. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit. He shall make alive. Before it was a body of sin, right? Before it was a body of death. But now it will be quickened. Remember, it will not be subject to the commandment of God. Paul said that he tried it. He's doing this. The evil is still there. He's trying to go in the right direction. The evil factors itself into his motive. There's that struggle. But there is an element in the Christian life that the Jewish man did not have, which was the element of the spirit. Hallelujah. And the ability of the spirit of God to impart life to the dead lower self. And impartation of life means that recalibration. It means that the old calibration, the old construction is removed and the new construction that is in alignment with God is brought into effect. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also what? Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwell in you. Twelve. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live what? After the flesh. Why? Because of what the Spirit of God is able to do, right? For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall what? Live. For as many as are led, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? They are those that God is able to walk through and manifest himself through. And the reason why they must be led by the Spirit is that it is the Spirit that will affect their lower selves and bring back the alignment so that God that is shut away from within the man, will now be allowed to come in. He will now be granted a place in that man. That is the work of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not just the Lord dwelling inside you. It is also the Lord in his attempt to make his home inside you. That any man that begins to obey God offers his vessel also for recalibration. And this recalibration is done by the Spirit of God. This recalibration is done by the Spirit of God. And it is this Spirit that we look onto as we try to obey God. As we try to obey God, we will find that the evil is still present. As we walk away, we will find that we cannot really walk away because the evil has not left us. We are not obeying it, but it has not left us. But then comes the Spirit of God and the recalibration that the Spirit of God brings. That now transforms our lower parts and makes it a place or a home for the Lord. The Spirit of God is not just with the Lord dwelling inside you. It is also the Lord preparing the place where he dwells. That's what the Lord does.
So we say that our lower selves have been corrupted. And it is true because every man starts with a corrupted lower self. But the reality also is that the Lord can quicken this lower self so that all our members will come into alignment. The man will be the vessel on all levels, not just in the lower self, because then the lower self being quickened means that the higher self that was closed is now opened. And every part of man is yielded to God. It also means that man can now ascend into wisdom that is beyond the natural level. That is beyond the abilities and the capabilities of the natural self. Man is able to ascend into realities that are beyond the things that the ordinary person relates with. Because now those parts of himself have been opened. And they were opened through the quickening of the spirit. They were opened through the quickening of the spirit. They were opened through the quickening of the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen.